And we welcome you into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shoptoff, C70 at the bat, at C70 on Twitter. With me, as always, Tara Wellman from Birds on the Black and at Tara Wellman on Twitter. Um, uh, it is Mother's Day, which means that we have to, of course, pull out the Mike Shannon quote. Uh, so a big happy birthday to all you mothers out there. Um, that's It's going to be... It's it's already a little different with Shannon now, but it's really going to be different when he's gone, isn't it, Tara? It is. And, you know, at this point, I listen to Mike Shannon for the entertainment value <laughs> in the stories that he tells, not necessarily for his analysis of baseball, because as you well know, because oh, yeah. you have been my contact point multiple <laughs> times when I'm listening to the radio, because as you also know, if you're listening to the show, I have no other option right now other than finding a Reddit stream somewhere to watch games. I, many times I will send a text message or scramble to the internet somewhere else to find out what actually happened because Mike Shannon doesn't really describe it anymore. Oh, sure. He just kind of mumbles and groans and says half sentences and then jumps back into a story. So it's great for entertainment. It's not so great if you're actually trying to keep up with what is or is not happening during a baseball game. But that said, yes, it will certainly be different not having the uh, the dulcet tones of Mike <laughs> Shannon either grumbling because the Cardinals aren't playing as well as he thinks they should or, you know, meandering his way through another delightful story that doesn't really help me figure out what's going on in the game. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I can identify with mumbling and groaning and doing half sentences. I think that's kind of describes my podcasting abilities so that's i I can get that um you have you have listened to shannon more than i have this year although i have listened to him some if i've been in the car or whatever and of course you know mike's only doing 50 home games so there's a lot of ricky horton um but it seems to me and and i think it's probably come on the last couple of years but it seems more maybe more prevalent this year he just doesn't have the energy for this anymore. I mean, it, it, it does really feel like he's there because he wants his 50th and he still loves baseball. Don't get me wrong, but it right. just doesn't seem like it's quite the same Shannon that we are, even though crazy uncle that we're used to, it's almost like, you know, he's putting it, you know, it's just like to describe it, you know, it's a big rally and he's just like, yep, there's the home run or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And even to some degree when, Things happen quickly. Mm. He doesn't keep up. And that's where kind of the half sentence is. A lot of the times that I've listened lately, it just, you know, he has a a certain tempo, a certain dynamic that he's always been able to weave in and out of that is kind of laid back, is kind of slower paced. It isn't necessarily, you know, auctioneer speed (laughs) speaking. That's not really ever been his thing. But you know, keeping up with plays as quickly as they move, whether it's an energy thing or just kind of the fact that he's getting older, like everyone does the, the, the speed with which it takes someone to keep up in the, the speed, the speediest moments of the game, uh, maybe not quite the same as it once was. And you're right. He's been doing this for so long that, you know, maybe there's some level of, this again, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can only describe a, a six four three double play so many times before you're like, okay, they got two outs. That's all you really need to know. <laughs> and to so, be, I'm going to say, and to be fair, he did have a very 
strong case of about with COVID right. that may still have sapped some of that energy as well. Yeah. And you can't help but wonder about that. And and look, as much as we can talk about it and it seem kind of critical, right, in terms mm-hmm. of how he's doing his job, the reality is this is a man who's been doing this for 50 years, mm-hmm. which is wild and so impressive. And, you know, it's such a, a testament to the fact that maybe he doesn't always call the cleanest play-by-play, right? Maybe that's not what made him so endearing to fans, but it's the way that he interprets the game in light of his own experience, in light of the stories he can tell, in light of the way he can entertain and engage an audience on a medium that isn't television, that doesn't have the ability to really keep your attention because of the visuals. And he's done that successfully for 50 years. So, you know, whatever it is that maybe is... uh, um, slowing him down at this point in his career maybe the the very same reasons that he's gonna bow out after this season you know that that pales in comparison to the things that he's accomplished and the things that he's seen as an announcer calling baseball games every night every summer I mean the things that he's seen in this game I can't even pretend to imagine so what a what a legend even if I do have to phone a friend to figure out what happens in the game these days. <laughs> yeah, there's, there is a little bit of that. This is true, but uh, it is, it's, it will not be the same when Shannon goes and um, hopefully, hopefully they find a good replacement for him. Um, I think I'm available just in case but, anyone. Yeah. Well, that would be, <laughs> that would be unique. And I would like that probably more than any other option that they have right now. Um, There are probably some excellent people who are far more qualified, but I, you know, I'd enjoy it. So, well, and and (laughs) given the fact that it sounds like from all, and again, they may not have done a big search, but it kind of really feels like uh, Ricky Horton is going to have that job next year. Yeah. And Mike Claiborne is like his backup. I would take you over either one of those guys. And I, I'm not saying, you know, you're right. There are some talented people out there, but I wish they would go looking for John Rooney's still very, very good, yeah. but I just, I just don't know how that's going to sound. I mean, Ricky, yeah. he knows what he's talking about, but there's almost that relentless optimism that can, <laughs> can, can grate on you a little bit. Uh, I don't know. Well, there's something about it that uh, maybe it's a small doses thing. Yeah, you know, and I listened to John Rooney and, and Rick Horton today. I've listened to them a number of times this season. I'm not sure that's a great duo. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like, in fact, one game I was listening to, it, it was just Rick Horton for so long that I thought he was calling the game solo. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, I legitimately was ready to go to the internet and try to find out if he was calling the game on his own because... There was no back and forth. There was no, you know, interjections from Rooney with anything. And, you know, I know the way that they do that sort of alternating play-by-play innings allows for one person to be the dominant figure in each inning, but there's not a lot of back and forth between those two. And I don't feel like they feed off of each other particularly well. I don't feel like there's, you know, that same entertainment value with the, the two of them in the way that there has been before. And that's, you know, any changeover is going to require some adjustment and Mm -hmm. they're going to have to figure that out as well. I I will say Rick Horton, we've discussed this before, is not my favorite play-by-play person to listen to. Um, 
I don't always feel like his his commentary is adding a ton of value in the the analysis department because, as you mentioned, <laughs> there's a little bit of you know it's more than rose colored glasses. It's mm-hmm. a, a almost different sense of reality. And that's not always helpful when, again, I'm trying to find out what's happening with the team and, and there's this seemingly completely different level of reality for what is good or what is not good or, or how you go about, you know, reflecting that in your commentary. So not my favorite, um, but he does, he calls a, a, a game fine in, in terms of at least I know what happens. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it definitely is not, you know, I feel like they, they could open that up to a lot of others who have maybe less experience. And that's what Rick Horton has going for him, right? Is that he seems by all accounts to be a really good human and Mm -hmm. a person that people like having around who has been on the TV side. He's been on the radio side. He's been in the studio. He's done play by play. He's done color. He's done. So he's been in and around it. You know, they don't have to train anybody to do that job if they let Rick Horton do it. And that's that's a, a big advantage in in that world of you know just needing that familiarity. So he'll do a serviceable job. It's just to me isn't the most enjoyable of options. Now, possibly the most enjoyable of options or one of them um, would be Adam Wainwright. However, Wainwright seems to be perfectly content to continue to pitch, and may do so for another. 10 years at this rate, it, it feels like. We saw him today, um, eight and a third scoreless innings. Um, Mike Schilt possibly could have let him, you know, taken him out at the eight. Probably should have taken him when he gave up the first runner in the ninth. But all in all, a remarkable performance for Wainwright, coming bouncing back from a, a little bit of a rougher start against the Mets on Monday. Um, but that's going to happen with a four-year-old. We're seeing a guy that's going to... Well, pitch, you know, give his team a chance to win, if not be, you know, dominant um, more times than not. And that's pretty remarkable for a guy that we weren't really sure, at least a couple of years ago, if he could even be a fifth starter. Yeah, it's so fun to see this story continuing with Adam Wainwright. And you're right, he would be an excellent addition to a radio booth or to a television booth because he has that charisma, he has the experience, the relevancy, all of those things. But it doesn't seem like he's quite ready for that just yet. <laughs> um, but I'm okay with it. I'm okay with watching him in this this new uh, chapter of his career. And what I think is really interesting in terms of Adam Wainwright is that I feel like last year we really saw him settle into what he is as a pitcher now instead of maybe trying to be what he once was. And while at times the results or the the actual pitches look a lot like vintage Adam Wainwright, the process seems to have changed significantly. He seems really comfortable with what works for him and what doesn't. And it's interesting to see that transition. I don't know that we always see it done well when someone goes from you know, the young guy on the team, the young phenom to the ace, to the veteran, to the guy who's probably too old, but still hanging on to a couple of years and then fighting through that part to get to the next part Mm -hmm. where he was able to settle in and really be comfortable. Almost the, the best way I can describe it is going from fighting the voices saying he was the old guy to 
owning that and being like, yeah, I'm the old guy and watch what I can still do. Mm -hmm. And there's a different dynamic with Adam Wainwright since last season when he figured that out. And I, I will never forget him talking about having a conversation with Jack Flaherty where the young guy was like, dude, you're Adam Wainwright. You're fine. Just go do your job. <laughs> and Adam Wainwright talking about it after the fact and, and, and really emphasizing that Jack Flaherty helped Adam Wainwright get his confidence back, which was so shocking to me at the time because Wainwright has always come off as exceptionally confident, not necessarily overly so, but just confident in his ability to get the job done. The results didn't always match that. So then last year to see him make that transition and this year continue that, it really feels like he doesn't care if someone says he's old. He doesn't care if someone says, I don't know if he deserves to be in the rotation. His entire focus is, I know what works for me now. I know what works for me in this phase of my career. And I don't really care if anyone else recognizes it or not. I'm just going to go do it because I know what to do and I know how to get there. And we've heard him talk like that before, but to see him now seems so comfortable in that version of who he is as a pitcher. It's really cool. And look, I don't know how long it's going to last. I don't know where it's going to lead, but I'm so excited to have Adam Wainwright you know, whatever version of him this is at this point, having gone through all of those things, gone through the years of injuries, gone through the years of, you know, Cy Young uh, potential to being, uh, I don't know, you know, he walked off the mound in California a couple of years ago and wasn't mm -hmm. sure he was ever coming back and fighting through that to get to a point where he's so comfortable again that he looks like there's no doubt in his mind every time he goes out there that he can do what he set out to do. And it's not going to work every time. We know that in the way baseball works. But, man, is it fun to watch him have that kind of confidence and be that settled in what his role is with this team now. It's – I mean, I'm, I'm rambling at this point because I, Adam Wainwright's my guy. And I was so afraid that we were not going to see him kind of be able to dictate the the – end of his own story and now he's fully in the driver's seat with that which is really cool yeah i mean we thought especially even at the end of last year we thought okay that's great adam wadrid had a very good year he but it was also a shortened year and you know can he do it again should he just kind of walk away and, and say hey i came back i left you know leave on his terms blah blah, blah. but you know he knows better than himself and better than we do, obviously. Um, and now he's writing that another chapter that when it comes to the end of this year, if this continues, and again, we're in May, um, you don't know for sure, but it comes to this end of this year and he's still doing that, then it becomes another conversation to have, you know, yeah. and see where he's at. And that may be, depends on where Yadier Molina is at and things of that nature. And our um, pools. <sighs> Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that perhaps in a minute. Um, but yeah, to, to, to have him, uh, you know, not just contribute, but really stand out. And I mean, besides what he's doing on the field, the way yeah. he is celebrating his teammates <laughs> this weekend when he went just 
ballistically proud of Jack Flaherty hitting his first home run. Uh, and then today, I mean, you see the reactions after the game, him coming on the field and just really being excited for Ryan Helsley, who got the save, who got out of that jam. Granted, it saved his bacon a little bit as well. But um, there is, a, you know, proud dad moments are, are, are what they're, yeah. they're calling them now. And that's and that's fair. And it's it's really interesting to see that mentor label being so accurate. I think a lot of times we say, oh, this guy can be a mentor to these guys because he's been around the block a while. And yeah, maybe that's true, but they don't necessarily just invest themselves into those younger players like it feels like Adam Wainwright is doing. Yeah. And the cool thing about that is that we've heard those kinds of things about Adam Wainwright for years, right? Where guys mm-hmm. at, at uh, spring training who get to experience big league spring training for the first time will soak up everything they can from Adam Wainwright. We've heard about the things that he's done for those players who haven't made it yet. They don't have the big check. They don't have money to go and do all the things that he can. And and he doesn't think twice about acting on their behalf in whatever way he can. And that's just the person renting him a car. Yeah. You know, whatever it is that, that he can do to help a guy out. Um, that's just who he is as a person. And, you know, I know he speaks to that in regards to his faith being a driving force in that. And that's who Adam Wainwright is. But the cool thing about this whole mentor thing is that a lot of times we hear that with a guy who's, you know, on the last leg of his career, isn't really contributing a whole lot is, you know, they talk about it in terms of this is what he's really doing for the team. And right now there's this really exceptional combination of Adam Wainwright, the star pitcher, and Adam Wainwright, the guy who's been around the block and would do anything for his teammates, that is happening concurrently, which isn't always the case. So that's, it's, it's one of, you know, a lot of times we see guys at the peak of their career who may be really great people, right? They may, you know, give a lot of themselves in one way or the other, but kind of their primary focus is still themselves and their own career and, and how they go about their, their job. Somehow Adam Wainwright has found a way to blend those two things into this really beautiful, um, you know, opportunity to do what he loves and not lose sight of the people around him in the process. And Matt, this is turning into the, the Adam Wainwright, <laughs> the Adam Wainwright hour, um, <laughs> which I don't really mind. I think we could talk about him for the next month of shows and it probably would still, um, you know, only, only tell part of the story of the way that he's left an impact in St. Louis and beyond. So to, to see those things both happening at the same time, Adam Wainwright finding this new gear, finding this new comfort level with how to be successful in his own career and continuing to be such a light and such a, an influence on the people around him is it's it's so enjoyable to sit back and watch it's so easy to root for him it's so uh you know on the one hand it's like man i really i really hope he doesn't end up letting me down cuz that's what <laughs> happens with too many people but at the same time it's just like man i i really love seeing this kind of representation of who someone can be and how they can use that to make everyone around them better. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's larger than the baseball element of it. It makes me really 
happy to have Adam Wainwright on the team that I pay attention to. Yeah, I Adam Wainwright may eventually let you down on the ball field. I don't think he'll ever <laughs> let you down away from it. Um, that is a person who lives his face and, and lives his life completely genuinely. Um, yeah. From all that we can, I mean, again, all that we can tell, but there has not been any particular reason I think he hasn't, you know. Right. Um, and so um, it, it's fairly remarkable. Um, okay, you, you hinted at it, so I guess we better do it before we get to the end of the show. <laughs> But Adam Wainwright's former teammate, uh, Bert Pujols, was released by the Angels this week. Kind of, kind of unceremoniously. I know they did some sort of tribute video for him, like the next day when he was probably already back at St. Louis. <laughs> um, I know that they put out a nice statement when they did that, but it was still kind of out of the blue, at least for the rest of us. Um, and of course, immediately the bring Albert back drum beat started. Um, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> uh, one of like the three things I've put out on Twitter all week <laughs> was explaining that there's no part of me that wants to be rational <laughs> about Albert Pujols. I, <laughs> I, I can't, I, I could sit here and tell you all the reasons in the world why it doesn't make any sense. There's no value to it. It's not going to help the team win. It doesn't mean anything for, uh, you know, it's not a good way to spend money. Like I, I can tell you all that. Um, <laughs> no one needs that from me at this point, because the reality <laughs> is I, I almost don't care what any of the logistics are. I don't care if it makes complete sense or no sense at all. I, I <laughs> There's nothing that seems like it needs to happen more than for Albert Pujols to retire as a St. Louis Cardinal. And everything that happened to take him to L.A., everything that happened between him and the, the Cardinals organization, again, there are a million reasons why this should never happen, why it likely won't happen. But to be for a moment the childhood fan of a player and a team that made me fall in love with the game. I, I, give me an opportunity to bring Albert Pujols back to St. Louis and I will probably tell you it's worth it. <laughs> so my logical, rational take on this is not going to happen. <laughs> and everyone who panicked about that when I said it earlier this week, I, I, I don't care. <laughs> you can come at me with every reason why it shouldn't happen or why it doesn't make any sense. I know. <laughs> but I still think that it would be a, a really satisfying conclusion to a story that feels unfinished and you know whether that's unfinished because he uh, unlike I was just explaining about Adam Wainwright didn't get to kind of determine the end of his own story which a lot of people don't but to some degree um you know <laughs> better than this at least yeah um or if it's because it felt like his story in St. Louis didn't really get uh the the conclusion that it should have. I don't know, but I'm I'm not going to pretend to find any sort of logic in my reasoning, uh, but I would absolutely love to see even if it's without the fanfare that it would have been had he never left St. Louis, I would still love to see him finish his career 
wearing the birds on the bat like he should have been all along and <laughs> leaving no doubt about what hat belongs with his plaque in Cooperstown. Well, and I don't think there's, I mean, I know that it's, it's no, possible. No, there's not but anyway. There's but... really not. I mean, if you look at Albert's career, I mean, it's very, very much split in the middle. Um, you know, he was starting to slip a little bit that last year in St. Louis. He had a decent year in 12 and 13, but still, there's a very, if you if you give the two halves, it's very easy to see where, where he left uh, and went to St. Louis, left St. Louis, went to L.A. Um. I don't disagree with you um, because I really it's would. It's fine like to... if you do. I... <laughs> <laughs> and I wrote about it at, at the blog um, at the day after it happened. You know, I, I do want to see it, but, you know, one, we already kind of have that guy in Matt Carpenter, <laughs> you know, when you're looking at it just <laughs> mm-hmm. in a baseball sense, that worries me to have two Matt Carpenters. Yeah. As your bench, and then Andrew Kisner is your one of your other guys who's never going to actually get to play, you know, in a game. I mean, as a bench bat, um, and then you're looking at what's you know, so said Williams or something like that. You know, that is a little bit of a concern. Um, also, if somebody mentioned it, I don't. This is, doesn't bother me because I don't think it'll matter, and I don't know. But there is that idea of not tarnishing the memories of Albert Pujols, um, of what we saw, the greatness that we saw in St. Louis, not tempering that a little bit with, let's, let's be honest, it's not going to be much, if, even if the Cardinals did bring him back, we're not expecting necessarily Cardinal Devil Magic to come back and all of a sudden <laughs> Albert's a, a force off the bench or anything. I mean, it, it, it's, it comes with the recognition of his limitations. Now, do you think that does that matter at all? Uh, to me? No. And right. the reason that it doesn't is that I know what he is now. Mm. I, I yeah. It's not as if I'm expecting him to suddenly look like the MVP that he was a decade ago. So for me, him coming back to St. Louis wouldn't be about recapturing the glory days as much as it would be feeling like he ends up where he belonged, which was never L.A. He was never going to look. We've we've seen what the what hasn't happened with Mike Trout in not necessarily getting the credit or the fanfare or the spectacle that he deserves for the skill set that he has, because it's not really a place where there's the same sort of emphatic, I don't know, passion, I guess, specifically for baseball and its superstars. There's so much else going on there. And that's not to, you know, necessarily knock baseball fans in LA. Um, It's just, you know, the angels aren't uh, a particularly hot, commodity when you're talking about headlines <laughs> in mm-hmm. in terms of where someone goes to elevate their career right um so albert going there felt like a, a sort of deflated version <laughs> of what his career maybe should have ended up being and and some of that is not because of the destination it's because of the lack of success that they've had since he's been there the the, the story hasn't really continued in the way that it would have on a team that was a consistent force in the postseason, you know, wherever that might have been. So some of that is just sort of the nature of 
the situation that he found himself in. But I guess my point in all of that is for me, the conclusion of the story being Albert Pujols is a St. Louis Cardinal wouldn't be about bringing him in because he's going to be that guy again. It would be about bringing him in because he should have been there all along (laughs) and seeing him, whether it's off the bench or seeing him with, you know, one random start at first base because the division titles wrapped up and they can just to give him the ovation every time he comes to the plate, seeing him in that Jersey again, again, it's totally irrational. I get it. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not in any way trying to suggest this is a smart baseball move. (laughs) Uh, It's the fan in me going, I want Albert Pujols to retire a St. Louis Cardinal. And no, for me, the fact that he wouldn't be a, a significant contributor doesn't change what his legacy is. It would just be kind of like someone coming home, <laughs> even though they're not going to be the center of attention in the, the the world as it is anymore. And I understand people who think that that might make light of his legacy or kind of leave a, a less than perfect taste in your mouth at the end of the story when you go, oh, he came back and batted off the bench for half a season and struck out a lot. Like, (laughs) that's how this is going to end. To me, that doesn't change anything. Just like, you know, him going to to Anaheim doesn't change the first 11 years of his career that made him a Hall of Famer before he ever went to Anaheim. Um, Nothing changes that. And him coming back and even as a a shell of himself if that's what we want to call it um doesn't change what made him the albert pujols in the first place yeah i I agree with that because i think that you know somebody we were talking on twitter and you know somebody did bring that up and i said you know i think you know we talk about willie mays going and playing with the mets that last year and, and he didn't look good and everything like that but i don't think anybody actually i mean besides the historical context of knowing that I don't know that anybody had their minds of changed about how they remember Willie Mays. I mean, obviously I didn't see, obviously I didn't see Willie Mays play or anything like that, but I imagine those that, those that did remember him in his prime. They remember the good things. They don't, you know, yeah, they may have a slight remembrance of him having trouble catching balls at Shea stadium or whatever the case may be, but that's not the first thing that necessarily comes to mind. And they're still, you know, rating Willie Mays very highly, I'm sure, even if they do have those memories. So, yeah, I would say to some degree, I feel like there's less tarnish, if you will, mm-hmm. if he were to come back to St. Louis for the conclusion of that story than if he goes somewhere random that doesn't really have much going on that, you know, an AL team that ends up missing the postseason altogether. And then that's that, right. That Mm -hmm. to me is less of a a satisfying ending than if there's at least some sentimental value, not that all Albert Pujols has to offer is sentimental value, right? We've seen him hit a a number of home runs already. this year. like, he's still, there's more to, there's more to that story than just, sentimental value but if we're worried about what it does to his legacy i think coming back to st louis almost 
regardless of what his performance is in St. Louis, almost, um, I guess, complements the story in a better way than going somewhere else where there is no history, where there is no significance, and just kind of fading even further into the background of baseball instead of again having headlines written about him for whatever the reason is which would certainly happen in st louis yeah and i mean it also doesn't appear i mean he's the the idea is he left anaheim and because he wanted to play more right um but it also doesn't feel like there's a spot for that to happen i mean there's i haven't looked at Kansas city's roster i don't know who's DHing and all that kind of stuff he also Pumas wanted to play a lot more first base, which I don't think anybody's going to let him do that. Um, but, you know, Kansas City had a little bit of a draw because that's where he's from originally and stuff like that. You know, the White Sox made some sense because of Tony La Russa, but they came out basically and said, look, we got a DH, we got a first baseman. Ain't spot for him. Um, and so if he comes down to it and he's willing to accept a lesser role, then, yeah, I think you can make it work. Um I do think you have to, especially for John Mosellock, have to factor in what does this look like? You know, are we willing to tell Albert he's only playing first base once every month? Probably not even that because Goldschmidt only takes like three days (laughs) off a year. Um, And when Goldschmidt wants to play first base, he's going to play first base. I don't know if you can tell Albert Pujols at the end of the season, look, you're not on our 26 man roster (laughs) for the playoffs. Um, You know, can you do that? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to say, you know, if he wants to play in 2022, you know, granted you may have a DH spot, but do you bring him back? You know, are you willing to walk away from that? Um, Well, and that's why I'm glad that John Mazalak and company, (laughs) (laughs) are more logical than I am (laughs) because those questions have to be asked. But as an individual with no authority whatsoever to make a decision, none of that, right. None of that matters to me, (laughs) but I'm glad it matters to someone because they're the ones who are going to have to look, the option is out there. They have to at least be intrigued um, by the, the, ticket sales if nothing else well in jersey as, sales because everybody burned theirs right so exactly you're gonna, you're gonna new need ones. new jerseys um and you know just that 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 boost that it gives to the city i don't, I don't know there are a lot of kind of intangible reasons to at least let it be a passing thought i don't know that there's more to it than that and that's what the people who actually get paid to make baseball decisions <laughs> will have to decide not me <laughs> that being said um, you know, there was a lot after that came out. Um, Yadier Molina posting stuff on Instagram, as he does. <laughs> um, Carlos Martinez posting a picture of him and, and Pujols, you know, thanking him, blah, blah, blah. But maybe the most interesting thing to me was before the game on Friday. Of course, the team, Nolan Arenado is in the Zoom call because they played the Rockies this weekend and they might have a few questions for him regarding that, you know, that whole history thing that he has with them. Um, And he made the point after everything was done, when they're asking for last questions, he says, can I say something? 
and he gives this short little straight to the camera speech basically about how Albert, you know, how much he loves Albert Pujols that Albert Pujols was his favorite player and he hopes that he has a good uh, ending somewhere. He gets a chance to really end his story the right way. Um, if I'm John Mosellock and I realize that Nolan Arenado really seems to love St. Louis, but he still has an opt out at the end of the year, you know, maybe that's something worth considering. Maybe that's something to let. And again, I, I don't, there's not a rush on this. I don't think Albert has no. a line of suitors out the door. If you want to, you know, get to June, you know, have some conversations with him, but you know, looking at June, July, maybe August to bring him in, give him a couple of months there at the end of the year, uh, you know, to, he's got to, if nothing else, it should show uh, Nolan. This is what legacy looks like. Mm in St. Louis. This yeah. is how we take care of. And he, he, he may have a general idea because Matt Carpenter still on the team. Right. Um, and, and some people won't, but to see that response. And I mean, he, he, he's gotten a little bit with the, with the hall of famers and you know, the, the Cardinal hall of famers and the red jackets granted his opening day was different than others, but to have that tangible thing of saying, this is what, history looks like in St. Louis. Uh, you know, there's that. I mean, you put that on one side of the scale. Again, there's a lot of things on the other side of it. But there's not, as you said, there is not nothing on this side. It's not a yeah. you know slam dunk. There's no absolute right. reason not to bring out the rules back. It probably still isn't happening. But boy, I tell you, if he's if they can work something out, you know, by the end of August and have him come play September, even though they only get to expand to 28 men. I, I have trouble not imagining that they can't do something like that, especially if they're able to kind of win this division with a little bit of uh, ease. And right now they're two games up over the Brewers, um, which they have to play for three games this week. But Cardinals technically have the best record in the national league. They're one of the best records in baseball. Um, I know, Tara, we've run a little long, but I think it's only fair to talk a little bit about this success. I mean, they're 8-2 and two in their last 10. They're one of the hottest teams in baseball. They've not necessarily played a lot of great teams, but there's not a lot of great teams in the National League, <laughs> So, at least not by record. Yeah. So what do, you, what do you make out of all that? Yeah, I may have intentionally felt much more comfortable talking about something as inconsequential as Albert Pujols because <laughs> I still do not have access to watch baseball games uh, in any particular convenient manner. So I can tell you from a general perspective, it's great that the Cardinals are playing well. I can tell you from box scores that, you know, Nolan Arnato appears to be good at baseball, as does well, Adam Wainwright. Mm -hmm. And uh, Yadier Molina seems to have picked up right where he left off. I can also tell you that apparently Harrison Bader only hits home runs now mm -hmm. um, instead of any other kind of, of hit when, when it happens. Uh, so uh, cool, I guess, <laughs> but seeing the, the difference that seems to be there for the defense in the outfield when he's back in center field is a, is a great sign. And quite honestly, that's about all I can tell you <laughs> um, in terms of my analysis of where the Cardinals are at this point. But 
you know, a six game win streak win streak will uh, do wonders for what your record looks like, especially when you can kind of stop the bleeding when it it comes to a halt and and get back on the uh, right side of the win loss column there. So, yeah, not a ton of depth as far as teams taking off in the National League right now. Um, But to see the Cardinals go from. You know, there was a, a a hot minute where they were in last place in the division and everyone was freaking out. And it was like, OK, they're in last place by like a game and a half. <laughs> it's Calm down. <laughs> um, but to see them now with that division lead and, and, you know, whatever that means at this point in the season, who knows? But to see them playing well. And I think I mentioned last week, the thing about a, a win streak like that is that it means they're able to repeat that success, that it's not just a one-off, that it's not just something where they got lucky. It's not just something they don't know how to do again. So the record at this point for me is more about that concept than, you know, this is who they are and it's who they're going to be the rest of the season. It just means they've been able to put together back to back to back success in some form or another and that has them in the position that they're in, which they probably feel like is a position they better be in, <laughs> considering what the rest of the division looks like. Um, but it, it just kind of gives them that ability to take a breath and go, OK, we're not perfect. There's still some issues we need to work through, but we're in a better place than we were two weeks ago. And that's all we can really ask for at this point. And yeah. that's all I can really say. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that works pretty well. Um, the Cardinals have actually swept the last three weekends um they swept the what the reds the two weekends ago pirates last weekend now the rockies if they go out to san diego and sweep the pirates next or the padres next weekend then maybe we we have uh, and maybe we're on to something yeah something on our hands however if they do do that hell it won't be tara and i talking about it next week uh tara is going to take uh, some time off for this little wedding thing that she's got going on um yeah. i mean just terrible planning if you ask me but you know <laughs> in the middle of baseball mine is in december for a reason you yeah know. Well, smart. Uh, smart. You know. <laughs> but we will welcome tara back at sometime uh later in june i will try to have a few guests here and there we'll probably be a little bit less regular on the sundays until then but uh, hopefully we've got a lot of good Cardinal stuff to talk about uh, when we're here and then by the time Tara joins us back in June. So until next time, I am Daniel. That's Tara. Good night. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.